Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about Destiny 2, Call of Duty, StarCraft, and Splatoon 2 test fire impressions. As always, before we begin the podcast, I would like to introduce the people who are on it. At this point, we have regulars Rishi Alwani. Hello. Mikhail Madnani. Hello. And I'm your host Pranay Parab. So first of all, let's start with this news about Destiny 2. Who's excited over here, Rishi? Yes, I am. Destiny 2, for those who don't know, isn't the isn't the band Destiny's Child coming back? No, it's not that. It's a sequel to 2014's epic shared world shooter called Destiny. It's being made by the same guys who made the very awesome Halo series, Bungie. And uh it's going to come out September 8th if the latest uh, rumblings i have the latest rumors correct which essentially is a uh, gamestop italy leaking uh, posters showing that it's out september 8 and there's going to be a beta on playstation and it's still as marketing with playstation beta first on playstation yeah, there we go it's basically been confirmed at this point because jason shreyo of kotaku has said that his source has confirmed it with his own sources and said it'll be announced very soon Now the fact that posters already exist for marketing pretty much implies that it is being announced soon. So uh, what do you think about it? What are your expectations for it? Well, the first Destiny had a re- had some god-tier story and some really amazing lore, but the problem is a lot of it was scattered in a stupid app on your phone. A lot of it was scattered in weapon descriptions. It wasn't where it should have been, which was up front and center to the story. It wasn't in cutscenes. It wasn't in anything you'd find in the world that was, you know, important to take the gameplay forward. So I hope that Bungie fixes that, that we actually get everything in the way it should be presented. So I'm hoping for more meaningful story. I'm hoping for. Uh, you know a, a greater variety in the in the game strikes in the game's multiplayer because the first game had a lot of promise and as someone who 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 played it from the initial beta all the way up to rise of iron i'm actually looking forward to see what they do next where they take this uni- uh, universe going forward because in the expansions they rectified some of the issues there's a greater focus on story there's a greater focus on you know better levels better missions but when you start with a fresh slate there's always a chance to do it better and uh, considering and i'm a little bummed out that you, all your stats and progression from destiny don't carry over to destiny 2 cuz that's something bungie has already confirmed but yeah i'm looking forward to it pretty hyped what do you think about the uh, pretty much confirmed at this point pc release which they would inevitably be doing to make up for the dropped sales of last gen well i don't know it's it's quite interesting right i mean fine you might have a pc version of destiny 2 but at the end of the day you're probably just going to play it on the same platform you played it on the first time because that's where your friends are going to be okay and so that basically means unless i see all my friends migrate to pc i'm probably going to be playing it on ps4 and in india we won't even really have the advantage of regional pricing with activision especially with destiny 2 and another thing to consider is uh, the pc version is not being done by bungie bungie is just doing the ps4 and xbox one version there you go vicarious visions i think that's the name yes. is handling the PC version. So it'll probably be like 60 FPS and stuff like that but uh, there'll be more FPS than people playing maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. I mean honestly I'll probably just play it on the platform while my friends are playing it on and that's probably going to be PS4. So yeah, I mean I'm I'm hyped for it. I'm probably going to pre-order it the moment it's out digitally because it's Destiny and I kind of like the game. It's like my guilty pleasure this generation. Sure it might not have reviewed that well but yeah, I still play it. 
it'll still be on- online only though i'm yeah. pretty sure yeah cuz it is a shared world right okay. so even if you're taking part in single player campaigns you'll still be able to interact with people in the game world they'll be able to join missions with you and stuff like that so yeah i think it'll be more of the same and hopefully with better story and um, and and better mechanics and so yeah looking forward to it yeah but knowing bungie they'll probably have fixed a lot of the issues that were there with the first destiny and in destiny 2 i suppose it will be a much more polished release right from the beginning yeah because they have a history of you know listening to listening to their fans and they've done a very good job of that in the past so i'm quite optimistic that yeah we'll see we'll see a better response this time around more so when you consider that the, there has been a player drop with every expansion you know and the fact that this one has been in the works for a while it's uh, the, the first destiny had a very troubled development cycle uh i think this time around it'll be it should be a step up the only place i'm actually worried about is the music because marty o'donnell who is responsible for the music of destiny and the and the good halo games uh isn't working on this so i'm a little i'm i'm just concerned about the music if anything else yeah okay so moving on to surprisingly surprising news which is that there's something new happening in the world of call of duty our resident call of duty fan rishi will elaborate Okay, I take offense. I'm not the resident Call of Duty fan. I'm just the Call of Duty fan. Yeah, you're the only one who likes that game series. So yeah, it's good fun. It's mindless shooting. That's never a problem. But uh, yeah, so it's it's that I don't know if it's actually new because whatever whatever's old is actually new in this case. But so yeah, the game's gonna take place in World War Two. They've been leaked steel books that showed up. Some YouTuber got an anonymous email showing off steel books that had artwork that it, that. basically confirm that the game is going to take place in world war 2 which is interesting because uh it was earlier speculated that the next call of duty which is is going to take place in vietnam but now it's confirmed to be world war 2 uh, i was skeptical at first because you know youtubers getting an anonymous email sounds very sketchy but uh, it got uh, confirmed by a few other uh, uh, bigger sites through their sources so yeah world war 2 seems to be a thing it's being developed by sledgehammer the same guys who made uh, advanced warfare so also known as the game responsible for the press x to pay respects meme so yeah should be interesting to see where they what they do with it because the guys at sledgehammer have worked on some really interesting games in the past like especially dead space dead space 2 a gex uh the yes gex the the lizard. gecko yes gex the gecko <laughs> i so, thought that was idos so glen shawfield who is the studio head okay. for Advan- uh, for sledgehammer worked on that So yeah it's it's it should be interesting to see how they how they take things forward what they bring new to World War 2 uh, and considering how well Battlefield 1 did um I think Activision's doing the smart thing by learning from its competition so yeah it'll be interesting to see how they how they pull that off they also said uh, they the that the space setting of Infinite Warfare didn't resonate with everyone as they had predicted and uh, they they officially confirmed on their financial call that uh, the next call of duty which is the one we're talking about will take the franchise quote unquote back to its roots yeah that's that that I that's mean, yeah. pre- i'm pretty sure they won't talk about a sepultura song so yeah so it's probably yeah so there there you go it's world war 2 right and and that's the thing with call of duty i mean it's a pretty powerful franchise even here it sells very well though what's amusing is that off late if we look at the last two three releases uh there's been a steeper drop in price after the first two weeks so if i so what we notice with infinite warfare day one if you want the game with the with more with modern warfare remastered you're paying close to 6000 right but within two weeks that number dropped to 4 4 4 and a half thousand two weeks later two and a half thousand no legacy is still not two and a half it is if you know where to look oh, it's okay. dropped uh one, another thing i want to know is do you think they'll bundle a remaster this year also because uh, that that worked out for them i don't know if they do it'll be interesting it, they could do modern warfare 2 but then that's 
doesn't gel well because wasn't doing... there one uh, there's been one set in vietnam before no there was one which was uh, world at war okay so, so world at war was 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 the last i mean was the last i think uh, world war 2 game they did okay so there's a po- i mean that would make sense to bundle with 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 the new call of duty because it's world war right but it'll be interesting to see whether, whether they just go with modern warfare 2 that would make more sense chrono- chronologic that would make chronologic sense chronological sense rather but uh, let's see what they do it's it's going to be interesting i think they will and if they do it'll probably be i'm guessing modern warfare 2 cuz at least there's some continuity and uh, as ex- it's pretty much confirmed that it's going to be another quote unquote playstation marketed deal thing so dlc will be like a month early on ps4 as it was last gen with the 360 and call of duty yeah but then i, I don't know man i mean I, I, it's a little interesting to see how many people will actually end up paying for those multiplayer packs at least here in india i mean globally yes it's a thing but then here we were looking at a situation where people buy the game for single player finish it off and sell it off so i don't know how much of a difference that's going to make and if i remember correctly with infinite warfare there was a price glitch on steam where a lot of people were able to get it for 999 bucks so if you're able to do that why would you even bother with uh, uh, with playing on any other platform and call of duty has been known to be an expensive uh, game to buy in india um and it just depends what 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 they announce it to be at and what price it's supposed to be at because 4599 is still steep in my opinion so. yeah i don't really play this call of duty series of games at all mm-hmm. more or less i've played maybe one or two of these that two for like one hour each or so but i'm really surprised to know that people actually buy this game play the single player campaign and sell it off that yeah. means they sell it off after like 2 hours of playing it it's Not a 2 hours uh, the campaigns have become longer recently yeah. but it's it's pretty much like within a week usually exactly yeah. but regard like even the worst selling call of duty still sells more than everything else exactly. so it's that and, big of friends yeah but i thought multiplayer was a big draw in this so it's really interesting because i was speaking to a few people who play call of duty regularly even the multiplayer and for them they after the week of infinite warfare they just rolled back to black ops 3 which is a 2015 game so there you go i mean like even even within call of duty players there is there is a there's a kind of a splintering of the of the user base where a lot of them are going back to an older game which is not what uh, you know activision actually wants but it's already happening and i can't blame them because personally i still find black ops to be the better game but yeah okay so in slightly more exciting news for me personally there has been some new announcements regarding starcraft the most important one for me was that the original starcraft is going to go free Oh, but it's not Red Alert Two. Red Alert Two did it first, as usual. Blizzard's just aping and the gods. And Blizzard like said free, not free to play. So why are you excited? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but jokes aside, uh, and r- old rivalries between Westwood and Blizzard aside, uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's good that they finally done this. Um, Starcraft till this day has a mammoth audience, and I am shocked. I think if there's any game that did games as a service. and games as live operations before anyone else it was blizzard with starcraft and i mean just from a pure scale and development standpoint it's amazing that they finally decided to you know drop the hammer and say you know we're, we're re-releasing it in 4k we're re-releasing it for modern machines we're re-releasing it with lan with lan in 2017 this is the future and yeah cuz you don't get games with lan support anymore and to me that's a big draw uh I think it's a big deal and I think it's and and what's even more interesting is you're looking at yeah 20 a uh, summer release date free I think it, it it should be fun to see how that pans out free is the original not remastered yeah still I mean the remaster is uh, yeah it's summer it's coming to PC and Mac uh, yeah. and uh, 
I I want to see how they manage this. But there's a rumor going on that uh, they're doing this because StarCraft Two has not picked up as much as it should have in uh, Korea. Yeah, that as an esport. That's the truth because StarCraft Two had a lot of pain pain points at launch. Uh, I remember with StarCraft Two, the big issue was you couldn't uh, like. At the at the very beginning, LAN wasn't uh, baked in, if I'm not mistaken, and you needed to be online to get any form of achievements. So, as someone who likes playing it for single player, I was kind of stuck to playing online because I wanted all those achievements as well. So, the progression systems were also messed up. And honestly, while StarCraft Two is a solid game, it, I mean, you you can't. It's like trying to say, how how can you follow up to Half Life Two, man? You can't, which is why you don't have Half Life Three. So, how can you follow up to StarCraft and Brood War? You can't. I mean, you try your best. You, you release a trilogy, which were pretty th- three pretty solid games. But at the end of the day, yeah, they're not going to pick up as much because everyone's so used to the multiplayer of the first one. So, you know, it's it's tough to do. It's a tough act to follow. And I, it's a good move because it, it means that it gives... Bl- a remastering StarCraft means that Blizzard gets a chance to stake its claim back in the look back in the region where it was the best which is south korea i mean it's another story they already have overwatch which is kicking ass they already have uh heroes of the storm which is doing decently well and world of warcraft so hearthstone yeah. also yeah hearthstone. oh that's still a thing <laughs> more so than heroes of the storm surprisingly so, yeah, yeah yeah so i mean it, it'll be good to see how how, the, how this works out but yeah looking forward to it though i do wish they have controller support but that's not going to happen because blizzard yeah, I'm going to ask a noob question. Uh, yeah. So the remastered edition of StarCraft, is it going to be exactly the same as the original game in terms of the single-player campaign? Yeah, as far as they've said, yeah, it's going to be just be a... You know, yeah, yeah, so people can actually just get the free one, the original one, and check it out if they like it, and then they can maybe buy the remastered one. Yeah, it could. But then here's the thing, right? The first one hasn't exactly aged that well. So what you're going to get is, while it might, might be a good uh, representation of gameplay... It's not a good representation of production values because that that's going to change. You're comparing a game that released in '97 to 2017, so it could be there could be some issues with that. But ha- having said that, going going free means you actually end up having a larger base on it at the end of the day. So, w- but will people upgrade? I don't know. But my main thing is, will it even run on most machines these days or <laughs> not? I mean, yeah. without any problems. So. Yeah, yeah, it might be some compatibility issues. Anyway, moving on. So there's been this Platoon 2 test fire first impressions, which I believe both of you were very excited about. Uh, so we were also supposed to know something about uh, the Nintendo Switch and well so online service. Yeah, it so works. Yeah, and it works well in India. And it but works on 4G connections. Yes, as I tested. But there's a problem. This the multiplayer beta, quote unquote, test fire was just done in one hour segments at really weird times, and it was annoying. So like i think i played it for three sessions max and it was a lot of fun uh so for those of you who don't know splatoon is a game which actually came out on the wii u and you end up playing as an inkling an inkling is a humanoid that can turn into a squid or as the memes go on the internets you're a kid who can turn into a squid and uh, what happens is before each match you can choose what kind of weapon you want uh, dual wielding pistols sniper rifles shotguns or a giant paint roller now every weapon you have shoots shoots ink essentially or uh, colored ink and the objective at least in the in in the in the global test fire was that you have to paint an entire area with your colored ink and if you end up painting more of the area versus the opposition, you win. It's four versus four multiplayer. And it's it's a third-person shooter. So you're, you'll be seeing your character. You can, you know, move around. And there isn't much cover to 
to to hide behind so you'll essentially go paint stuff and as you do that you 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 have an ultimate you have a meter that increases when it goes full you can unleash a really big crazy attack so like uh if you're using something like the paint roller you can you you can uh you have an ultimate that basically lets you hit, kill an enemy in one shot or if you're using dual wielding pistols your ultimate is two gigantic missile salvos that you can blob paint all over the place so it's quite cool and it's a lot of fun it's very wacky it's got its own sense of attitude the music is very infectious um it looks to be very interesting considering i never played splatoon on the wii u uh and it's just fun it's just so much fun will it hold up when the full release is out i hope so but one thing for sure is nintendo's service does hold up there's no lag no drama no matchmaking issues it was it was just painless I mean the only time I actually had a disconnect was when Rishi called me and uh Vodafone dropped from 4G to 3G and I was using the 4G hotspot. So that's the only disconnect I had in the four sessions. It was really good. And it ran really well in portable. Like I haven't uh, put the switch into the dock yet. It's still the dock is still in its own seal in the box. I don't plan on using it. So, yeah, in yeah. my case I played on both handheld and dock mode and it actually the colors pop really well it it looks really good on a big screen and to me that's the best way to play it because you have i mean you can see everything better and what's really cool is when you respawn you can choose where you want to respawn so it, you can actually respawn to where your friends are in the game world so and when when you do that it it launches it it has this really cool animation where your character turns into a squid and rockets across the map so you actually get a view of how much area you've actually painted over versus the opposition it acts like a like a very cool visual scorecard to keep to give you an idea of your progress and uh, yeah it's just a lot of fun to play yeah. and it works really well with both the joycons and the pro controller i tried it with both so pretty good except uh, i had to turn off motion controls because using a portable with motion controls in a third person shooter is a big no from me so yeah the motion controls are garbage that's one thing you need to do to that only off. on dock mode i cannot imagine no even a dock mode switch it off it's just pure garbage you cannot play it so what the game does is it it has it it wants to make use of 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 the gyroscopes within the joycons and therefore uh, forces you to whenever you tilt your controller up your character looks up and and whenever you tilt down your character looks down so in in a shooter like this where you need to be quick on your responses it becomes a problem aiming becomes an issue yeah even when playing random games like asphalt 8 on a smartphone i turn off those motion based steering controls because it's not precise enough so in a shooter i definitely can't yeah. imagine it being very useful yeah it's just a gimmick and it's best to be turned off and once you have that done it's it's pretty much fun yeah so as we were discussing previously it does look like nintendo has uh, nailed its release schedule quite well so when are we expecting uh, splatoon summer to? i believe they said summer 2017 but we ready but then so here's the thing you have mario kart coming out april 28th yeah uh, and then you have super mario odyssey that's primed for for the christmas release schedule right that window is there so you they have arms which is coming out before splatoon 2 which Rumor. is probably going to be a may release yeah uh, i have a feeling splatoon 2 will probably release a little after e3 yeah. because june is a good time to release Uh, yeah that makes game. sense that makes sense because e3 will have them just hype up the switch and announce more they've said specifically that they're going to announce more switch and 3ds titles so we're probably going to get some 3ds game localization announcements but we will see splatoon 2 soon after e3 is what i can predict yeah that's what seems to make sense and honestly from what we played at least from a visual standpoint the game seems perfect i don't think they can add much uh they have said there's going to be a single player campaign as well which which expands on the first game the first game single player was essentially a tutorial let's see if that happens but uh yeah i mean 
it's looking good and which is surprising for me because I'm, I was expecting the, the online component to be rubbish because we've seen that with Mario Kart 8 where playing online is a problem after a point. So, yeah, fun times ahead. Yeah, looking forward to it. So, uh, Mikhail, I believe you wanted to talk about boost mode problems uh, oh, with yeah. so some games. I don't actually have a PS4 Pro yet, but uh, two, of the, or two of the games people quote-unquote were really excited about with PS4 Pro was Final Fantasy 15 because uh, the developers actually promised the mode which would let you play unlocked close to 60 FPS and they claimed the update would hit around Christmas or before Christmas. The second game is obviously going to be a Souls game because that fan base is insufferable online and uh, they want everything to whatever be 60 FPS so having an option in the Souls game to play at 60 FPS on PS4 Pro got a lot of people excited. So starting with Final Fantasy 15, that patch actually got delayed, just like the game, from December to Feb. And when it actually came out, it ruined the one mode on PlayStation for the game which didn't have frame pacing. So instead of letting people play at a locked 30 FPS with no stutter, they introduced stutter and unlocked the frame rate. So you don't have an option to play locked anymore uh, at 1080 on the PS4 Pro. So people who are sensitive to this stuff, basically they cannot go back to the game anymore. Uh, other developers like Hello Games has actually put a lot of options and even uh, Team Ninja did this with Neo, as Rishi mentioned in his review. There are multiple options for PS4 Pro. F- uh, Square Enix decided to just unlock the frame rate and basically cheaped out on the patch. So it's pretty disappointing given how they claim to keep improving the game with each update. Yeah, and what's it's so... Like when Final Fantasy 15 launched, there are essentially three modes to choose from. One which let you have all the graphical bells and whistles turned on, locked at uh, 30 f frames per second. Second was uh, all the graphical bells and whistles turned on with an unlocked frame rate. And third was basically standard mode. And what was really weird was at launch also, there were people who had issues with the frame pacing of the game, which meant that there was a slight delay between you tapping a button and things showing up on screen. And it... it it, it was so minute that some of us felt it, some of us didn't. Personally, I didn't find any issues with the game throughout my playthrough, which include playing through the dreaded Chapter 13 twice. But uh, yeah, the game itself, the co- quality of the game aside, it's pretty much, it's pretty sad considering that the game has seen a lot of fans. Despite all the crap the developers thrown in our way, it still has man- man- managed to maintain a fan base. And if that's how they're treating them... It's a little disappointing because another thing that was also supposed to show up after the game's release was the VR patch, where in certain game modes, certain things would be enhanced with VR. That hasn't happened yet either. And it's odd, right? Because after the game was out, Square Enix went bells and whist- uh, went hammer and tongs saying that it's sold close to 6 million units. Uh, we're promising and pledging support. There were free updates that came in. There were promises to patch uh, certain elements of gameplay fans didn't like. Uh, there was a there was promise of a steady flow of DLC, and while that's all great, but what what you're actually delivering is pretty much a nightmare to fans, and I don't know how that's gonna how that that'll bode well because let's let's face it, there is going to be a Final Fantasy 16, and if this is how fans of Final Fantasy 15 feel, and if this is what how they're being treated. I wonder if we're even going to see a decent response to 16 as and when it gets announced. I mean, the it, it basically is really funny because uh, two studios inside Square Enix, one is handling Final Fantasy 14 and one is doing Final Fantasy 15. It's like they aren't in sync at all and Final Fantasy 14's team actually takes fan feedback to heart and fixes things and improves things. 
but final fantasy 15 like it's just becoming worse with everything and uh, there's a big update releasing uh, this week which has uh, fixes to chapter 13 uh, i'm not sure how many people want to revisit the game right now for those of you yeah who are who aren't too aware so final fantasy 15 for most part was an open world game for the first half was an open world game with some really really good combat mechanics and then towards the end there is a certain chapter known as chapter 13 uh where it becomes a very linear ps2 era dungeon crawl of sorts where you're just going in one direction and there's only one way out it strips away every open world mechanic now from a story standpoint yes it made sense but from a gameplay standpoint you feel that it's completely off it it loses the sense of rhythm it had through and through and you're stripped of all your powers you're essentially playing a very uh, wannabe survival horror style game and it that kind of ruined the game for a lot of people and to me that was the biggest deal breaker otherwise ff15 would have been one of the better games of last year and that chapter ruined it for me essentially and they they claim they're going to fix it now now i mean that's like george lucas saying you know we're going to we're going to just you know change things so that it looks like han shot second and greedo shot first and we're going to add all our lovely cg and make uh, and and make looks and and put hayden christensen as dot as as looks as anakin skywalker was supposed to be the other guy who whose whose name i forget right now so yeah it's it's a little disturbing because it also means that the representation of games as art or preservation of games as they should have been becomes a big problem because if you're essentially trying to rewrite what you already released in such a massive fashion is it even what it was does no, it even no they stand want out? everyone to double dip and buy the game of the year edition when it comes out probably end of this year I mean and let, game of the year edition is quote on quote so the way i see it it's the, the only version for anyone else let who's who has to buy it is the pc version which is inevitably going to happen so yeah like yeah. for the people who actually had a problem with only the technical aspects yeah go for it but uh, no amount no number of 1080 ti's is going to fix that game so yeah that's a sad part because it they they notoriously poorly optimized for pc but so yeah so uh, not back to dark souls 3 so namco's dark souls 3 also uh, from software's games usually suffer from frame pacing on playstation consoles uh, dark souls 3 and bloodborne both have frame pacing issues uh, dark souls 2 did not because there was a remaster so they managed actually fixing it and locking it to 60 fps uh, but dark souls 3's uh, latest patch which added the final bit of dlc uh, adds ps adds support for ps4 pro now this just unlocks the frame rate again like what the square enix did with final fantasy 15 but the frame rate varies very heavily from between 35 and 60 fps very rarely hitting 60 so now you have a game which suffers from more frame pacing and has a very variable frame rate and uh, in a game where you need to have combat pretty precise like going from 60 to 30 is a problem for many so having a variable frame rate might make it unplayable for the same people so I think they sh- if they want to do these things I don't understand why they don't just allow you to play it as it was before in addition to trying it this way because it it just drops people the wrong way because it's all about progress trust the developers always <laughs> especially in a platform like this where it's I think jokes aside I think it's it's a learning curve for a lot of the developers coming to terms with the fact that consoles are inevitably going to become PCs yeah and they're struggling with that and uh This isn't the first time we're going to have issues like this. Like for example, even Fallout 4. Fallout 4 if you play it unpatched on boost mode is actually a lot better than what it is patched up with 4K support and everything. Th- that's so blame Todd Howard for that. 
hey man I mean, don't hate <laughs> no, my but boy it, it, it's something which uh, it's funny because bigger studios seem to be having more issues with this than smaller studios uh, team ninja's implementation no doubt with the backing of sony supporting them uh, seems to be one of the best for ps4 pro with multiple options i think it also has to do with the complexity of the games if you look at it i mean games like final fantasy and dark souls are a lot more intricate and a lot more time consuming sure neo is in my opinion it's it's in fact as as intricate if not more so but when it comes to this, the debate of smaller versus bigger studio i think it's more to do with the game's complexity than anything else because even arkham knight right i i reinstalled and started playing that again on the ps4 pro and there is a marked difference on boost mode even though i mean rocksteady says they're never going to go back to the arkham games we believe you uh yeah i mean there are some games where the difference is palpable so i i think that has a part to play as well yeah so i think we should move on to this india pricing for vr games before we talk about the games we've been playing this week So yeah for those of you who have been living under a rock India has finally got PlayStation VR a couple of weeks ago uh you might be able to check out our review on this site called gadgets360.com never heard of it yeah uh anyway shameless plug aside uh not every game pub- not every game maker has uh, released their games on uh, VR just yet for in India. India in India so uh, right now we do know that Eagle Flight from Ubisoft is going to be coming out Sony's brought all their games in so there's Uncharted Rush of Blood which is 14 Until Dawn sorry Until Dawn Rush of Blood which is uh, 14.99 there's uh, there's PlayStation VR Worlds which I think is 1.99 249 sorry 2499 and you got games like Eve Valkyrie which is a space sim that's going for 3.99 now it's very interesting to see how the price demarcation is cuz you even have games you even have Drive Club VR at 1.99 I think so you have you have a very interesting demarcation where essentially Sony themselves have been taking an approach where uh, you essentially have different price bands which essentially means a game that uh, the that might be $60 abroad will cost a lot less here and here's the exact pricing right i mean until dawn rush of blood is 14.99 drive club vr 2499 vr worlds 2499 eve valkyrie 3999 so three price bands and why that matters it it basically means that sony for once is 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 with the price is telling consumers that there are VR games which are essentially a couple of hours to play they're essentially experiences for a couple of hours or there are bigger games which have a longer shelf life like Eve Valkyrie where you know you pay the full price and i think it's a good thing because uh if the the lower the entry barrier is the better for everyone it's another story altogether that VR is still extremely expensive but not relatively expensive because if you compare it to Oculus and uh, HTC Vive both aren't available here so you're still relatively cheaper but uh, i mean yeah 40 if you're spending 40 grand on VR there are at least 3 4 at least 4 5 games worth buying so it's not a problem there at i find it interesting sense. that sony's finally uh, basically until dawn being 1499 confirms that that's what sony india treats as a 20 dollar release yeah uh e valkyrie is a 60 dollar game abroad and that's 399 which goes in line with all the uh, first party triple a stuff yep uh vr worlds is also a 60 dollar game but they decided to go with the 2499 corresponding to 40 dollar price point yeah uh which is interesting because i really think they should have a, have that as a pack in instead of uh, forcing people in india to download a 40 or 50 gb demo disc oh yeah which Rishi has been doing 40 gb for okay. the the vr worlds demo is 40 gb so but it's a, it's at least it's a start it's nice to see segmented stratified pricing because it's it's a good way to get more people in so yeah okay so then let's talk about the games we've been playing this week i think i'll go first 
um been playing mass effect andromeda because well was um playing it for review so <coughs> i have not finished the game even now it's a massive game i thought i would just power through the main quest but then in stereotypical bioware fashion that's never possible like if you try to do that you just get stuck with some side quest or the other and which in my opinion is a very good thing so the moment i started playing this game i ended up picking up at least 15 or 16 side quests and then i was like okay now i have to complete some of these and ended up finding a pet hamster ended up finding um, random movies for my flight crew to watch and ended up doing things like it's it's basically a, like i'm in distress like help me out same thing like uh, we what we saw in dragon age origins uh, except in this case it's probably a little more tedious mm. i'd say because uh, there are some parts in this game where you just have to go up and down this um, nexus which is like a hub of all all uh, humanities yeah. uh, you know spaceships in 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 andromeda like, galaxy it's like the down the the down market equivalent of the citadel yeah and yeah there is a lot of backtracking and I, i kind of agree that does get a little annoying and loading screens like really long loading screens which is I just irritating i can't hear you over the speed of my solid state drive but okay. pcmr <laughs> It's an open world thing, right? Uh no, not really no. There are open world elements, but then there are so many parts in the game where you try to venture in the wrong direction and it'll tell you that you're leaving the mission area, there'll be a blackout and you'll be back to the original How place. How are they still doing that nonsense in 2017 like I, I know, right? cannot understand it. And you know what uh, the worst part is that there are some places where uh, you have this amazing vehicle called the Nomad which is a lot of fun to drive around across planets. Are you going to buy the collector's edition which has the remote control Nomad? That's the most <laughs> important question. If the Nomad could fly, we call Nomad Sky. <laughs> End the podcast forever. Yeah. <laughs> no, but sure. uh, I do agree it is it is a little annoying and actually there are it isn't exactly completely open world because there are planets you can explore planets act like hub areas in a way. The Citadel, the Nexus, sorry, is also kind of like a hub area. But yeah, I do get where you're coming from. In 2017, we shouldn't be having messages telling us we're leaving the mission area. Yeah, it's in an really open bad. world yeah. area. That's bad. So you know what? Uh, Nomad is so good that you have a boost in that. So basically, you can climb up a mountain that looks like it's at least say 4,000, 5,000 meters tall, sometimes even yeah. taller. So you can climb up the mountain using this vehicle, using the boost mode, and it's all-wheel drive. It's a six-wheeler vehicle. Uh, so you go to the other side, and you've already like cut across. Maybe like you would otherwise take a long circuitous road to get to the same place. So you cut across that entire part, and you reach there within a few seconds. But the problem is sometimes it will say that you're leaving the mission area, so you can't cut across this mountain. Go across this long winding road, and on the other side, and finally find the mission area. So that was quite annoying. But by and large, I'm quite happy with the way the game has turned out, in spite of its really really slow start. and the first 2 uh, hours to 3 hours or so were like quite uh, boring i'd say mm-hmm. uh, but then you know soon as i started getting into the whole uh, cycle of trying to colonize planets and terraform them then that's when it started getting really interesting how's the combat so combat is something that i don't enjoy much honestly because uh, i mean i'm not really a shooter kind of a person i play it mostly for the story uh, but i'd say this that if you like combat in mass effect uh, 3 and even uh, for that matter mass effect 2 then you're going to like this as well it's not really like uh, improved that much over those those two games i don't know to me it, it seemed like a big improvement because of the jetpack which gives let, let you have a lot more verticality in combat yeah and uh, i think it works really well that's again that's just my opinion versus the the earlier games but what is but to me the bigger draw is the is the class system where you can you know switch points around and stuff so that that that's really cool yeah I, but then don't you think that the combat is such that it allows you to power through levels with just a shotgun and an omni blade tool 
I think that's the fun of it. It is fun, I do agree. But I still think that it could have been a little more tactical strategy based. Because if you do that, if you keep charging when your character is not even a scrapper class, your character is leader class or whatever, it's not the vanguard character, then you shouldn't be able to do that. You should ideally get like smashed to bits when you do that. But you can power through even otherwise. True, it is a little uh, overpowering that way. I do agree. But I still find it a lot more fun. It's like, what you had in one in two and three, but on Red Bull, so yeah. Yeah, true that, and also yeah, the, um, there are these missions where you have to go to these massive monoliths and activate them and clear the atmosphere in various planets. I thought that got really repetitive, really fast. Because by the time I was doing it on the third planet, I'm like, this is the exact same thing I did in the previous two planets, solving that stupid puzzle, activating the yeah. monolith, going inside the cave, and fighting these uh, bots. And then, you know, jumping around platforms, activating them, deactivating them. So, yeah, got very repetitive there. But still, overall, Mm -hmm. I'd say, you know, um, quite a fun experience. And yeah, enjoying doing all the side quests. Nice. Yeah. So, um, Mikhail? So, I got the Switch. uh, Finally got the Neon one. And uh, as expected, I bought Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus on it. And uh, yeah, it's the best. In fact, uh, even though I've been enjoying Zelda, unlike uh, Rishi on the podcast... Uh, I've put the most time, uh, I, most of my playtime on the Switch has been with Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus. Uh, it's just like this, it's crazy the amount of items and uh, power-ups and all. I'm just picking up stuff and sometimes I even pause it to look on the computer to just see what the hell these things do together. And it it's super fun. Like, I've been playing that. I was playing it on the way while we were recording the podcast also. So, been having a really good time with it. Binding of Isaac... Uh, is a roguelike if you aren't familiar and uh, it plays a lot like the first Legend of Zelda game in the way that you have like particular rooms you start out with and you go from one room to the other with enemies or items and stuff like that. Except Afterbirth Plus is basically like four improvements over the original Binding of Isaac which released as a sort of flash game on PC only. So uh, it's really good. I recommend it. It's available on literally everything except Android and Windows Phone at this point uh watch some videos and check it out i'm having a lot of fun with it if i'm not mistaken it's not available on the iphone as well right it is is it ipad only or is it no it's on the iphone also universal edition yeah that's great yeah i've been playing it there also except uh like afterward plus is really some next level stuff only and i think i might end up uh, picking up the expansion on ps4 because i i dropped playing that version once i got the switch version so, been playing uh, mostly that and also this uh, smaller Japanese uh, title called A Rose in the Twilight, which is from the same developers as uh, Disgaea 5, which Rishi's enjoying. What? So, wait. So, Rose in the Twilight, how many vampires and werewolves? And do they explode no sparkly things? Nothing. They also made Yomavari Night Alone, which is another game which uh, Rishi really likes. And um, if you could see his horror-filled expression right now... Uh, That's not a nice game. Any <laughs> game that makes you kill your dog in the first two minutes is not a nice game. I mean, that's you don't not, do it voluntarily, it happens. It's not a... No, that no. <laughs> that's not a game. So yeah, uh, uh, basically, uh, Nippon Ichi Software or NIS have this uh, smaller team in their own studio that makes these quote-unquote indie-like games where they try out new stuff. So this is the third in that series. Uh, you play as a small girl who has a gigantic rock uh, boulder, quote-unquote, giant as a companion and you solve puzzles and uh, a lot of bad things happen with like blocks falling and basically mutilation and random shit. This sounds so, like a Pokemon adventure go- gone wrong. No, please don't. I don't I like did. Pokemon. I just did. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> if it was Pokemon, then the girl would be quote unquote fainting or losing stamina multiple times instead of what actually happens in the game. And there's blood. Okay. So, so yeah, mutual trolling aside, Rishi, you want to talk about the game you've been playing? Yeah. So I was playing a bit of Mass Effect Andromeda because I it's actually surprisingly fun, shockingly. Uh, that aside, been playing a lot of Persona Five. It is so good, but so it's essentially like I think I said on a previous podcast. Uh, like how you have the Harry Potter series where Potter is trying to do all his nonsense during the day of trying to survive school life and at night while trying to find out who Voldemort is. This is that, but much better with real concept with with a more real storyline, and a very cool uh, dynamic between what people think they are, what they wish they were, and the conscious and unconscious self. It's got a really cool mechanic that going for it, and the narrative ties in very well to your actual game design elements so you can end so what happens in the game is you, you can make friends right and as as your bond with them grows uh you can fuse or, or obtain personas which are basically powerful monster like or souls rather that help you fight in combat so and you can create more powerful ones depending on your social links with your friends in the game so there, there's some really cool things that are done and it's a franchise that's been going on for a while now i mean Persona 3 is really good. Persona 4, well, um, yeah, less said the better. But 5 is looking really nice. It reminds me a lot of uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which came out last year, which was made by the same team, wherein essentially you're, you're doing some cool stuff during the day and at night you're fighting demons. And it's got a, it, it just works. It seems to be a lot of fun. The, the writing, well, I mean, I don't... I, I In some parts, it's really cheesy. and some parts, a lot of things aren't explained, but it's so far pretty cool. So it's pretty good. There's some interesting characters like a talking cat who kind of helps you out through the game too. So, yeah. And th- and there's a very sly jibe on, on Android as well, where the protagonist gets an app that he can't delete, which ends up uh, being the uh, metaverse equivalent of Google Maps, where when you say the name of a person and you go into to a dimension where they are king. And it's very twisted, distorted kind of reality thing going for it. So, yeah, pretty fun. Damn, UC browser. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess that's about all we have for this episode of Transition. And we'll see you with another episode of Transition next week where we'll be talking a lot more about Persona 5. As always, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram at Gadgets360. The music for this podcast comes via Magnus Solai Paulson, whose album PPP is a soundtrack for the game VVVVVV. That's where we picked up all the tracks from. 